Hey everybody, this is Jamie Nunley, lead pastor of Victory Fellowship Church. Thanks for listening to the VFC Sermon Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download our free VFC Thomasville app, where you can access all of our messages, sermon notes, announcements, and small group lessons. This app is the easiest way to keep up with everything going on here at VFC. So please enjoy the following sermon. We hope it encourages you in your walk with Jesus and helps you to belong, believe, and become. Enjoy. All right, we're kicking off a new series this morning called Eat Your Veggies. Eat Your Veggies. Before I get to it, uh, I want to echo one of the announcements. Every other year we do a survey of the church body here. Um, there's some demographic information, stuff like that helps us, like where do you live? Like what area do you, not your address, don't worry. Like but the area that you live. And so we, we want to know these things so we can better serve. Like for instance, we want to make sure our life groups are in areas where people live, right? Um, so that kind of stuff, spiritual health. And then you get an opportunity to let us know of anything that you see that, that that's going well or that needs some tweaking and correction. And so Please, 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 please take a moment, go to the app. It's the very first option when you open up the app right now. You can take it. It takes five to ten minutes, or you can go to our website and do it, okay? But it, it's the more people that respond, the better um, the, the better responses that we get and, and the more accurate picture of the congregation we get, okay? Cool deal? Cool deal. All right. So we're talking about eating your veggies, eating your veggies. I love how the video starts out. You remember when you were a kid and all you, want was, all you wanted was dessert? I'm like, I want that now, man. I, what are you talking about when I was a kid? But I, I do remember that. I remember you know, my parents saying, hey, you've got to eat your veggies, eat your vegetables. You've got, to, you've got to do, the way I told my children this is do what you have to and then do what you want to. Do what you have to and then do what you want to. And so there's certain things that God is telling us to do. It's kind of like eating our vegetables. Now, if you guys know our family, you know that Tiffany um, loves her vegetables. I mean, she just loves eating vegetables. I like some of them. There are a few Brussels sprouts. I don't care. People are like, well, have you tried them from? I don't look. Stop saying that. It doesn't matter. You can put butter on them, cheese on them, bacon on them. Yeah, cover them in chocolate. They're still terrible, okay? They're awful. They're awful to me. If you like them, don't get offended and leave the church and start your own denomination. First church or the Brussels sprouts. We receive all Brussels sprouts here, unlike VFC. But like, like, but the thing is, is that vegetables, unlike dessert, contain good stuff. It's good for us. And so that's why we sometimes have to eat our veggies. So throughout the next few weeks, several weeks, actually, we're going to be talking about several different things that we don't always want to do. If we're being honest, we know we should, but we don't always want to. And so we're going to kick this off today. We're going to talk about reading the Bible Reading the Bible. Now, don't get all religious on me, okay? This is when, but well, I love reading the Bible, Pastor Jamie. Okay. Everyone enjoys Scripture at times, but everyone at times struggles reading Scripture. They, they do. They do. Uh, it, it, it can be for a variety of different reasons. 
but but we but scripture reading the Bible is one of those things that's super important for us. And we're going to talk about why, and I'm going to give you some really practical instructions here at the end of this message on how to read your Bible. I just want to show you some stats first. I thought this was pretty cool. Um, this is last year. This is Bible reading in the United States. 11% said that they read their Bible daily. I was actually a little surprised by that. I thought it'd be a little bit lower. 11% of people in the United States say that they read their Bible daily. Interestingly, anywhere, it depends on what survey you look at, anywhere from 65 to 80% of Americans say that they're Christians. So there's a pretty big difference between daily Bible reading and people that say that they're Christians, right? 23% say, I read a few times a week. I read a few times a week. 8% say around once a month. 16% say a few times a year. But 42% say, I don't ever read the Bible. Like it's, it's not even once a year, if at all. So 42%, the largest segment of Americans, just don't ever pick up the Bible. And so I think if people knew I think if people knew what the Bible was, if it was not just something you're supposed to do, but if, it, if they understood why, I think more people would read. And, and that's my goal, by the way. I'm going to um, tell you from the get-go here, I have an agenda with this message. The agenda with this message is to get you to read the Bible more. But not just to persuade you, but to empower you. Because I want you to understand why we do this. Well, I've got to read my Bible. It's not just a rule that you sign up for when you decide to follow Jesus. It's, it's life. It's health. It's peace. It's what we all really want and what we all really need. So I think it's a really good question to ask. What is the Bible? You've heard it called the good book before, right? God's word. You heard it called the scriptures. What is the Bible? Well, let me just tell you the first thing. What is the Bible? The Bible's not a book. It is a collection of books. If you want to talk about the Holy Bible or even talk about the good book, you should really probably call it the good anthology. Because an anthology is a collection of books. And that's really what it is. The Bible is not a book, but it's 66 books. It was written by 40 different authors in three different languages on three continents over 1,500 years. From, from when the first authors started writing until the, the final authors completed their writing. Now, think about that for a second. Have you ever seen anyone agree on anything? Much less 40 authors over 1,500 years on three continents and three languages? That's pretty amazing. And although there are different parts to Scripture, there are different parts of the Bible, there is a common thread throughout the whole thing. That's pretty amazing. It's not, it's not like there are other sacred texts that other religions have. It's just one person who's writing it. And here we see, over a long period of time, a thread being woven through all the different books in the Bible. So, I, you know, look, if someone says... Yeah, I love uh, this Bible, the good book. Say, no, oh, it's not a book. Like, don't be that guy. But at the same time, realize that it, it's, it's not. This is not like, you know, the, the Hunger Games book. This is not, you know, A Tale of Two Cities. This is not War and Peace. It, it's, it's not, it's unlike anything else available. There, there are, it's, it, there are all different types of, of texts in here. 
Some of them are historical. Some of them are, are, are poetry. The book, of, the book of Psalms is literally the song lyrics to the hymns that the ancient Jews sang. When you read a psalm, you are reading song lyrics. When you read Proverbs, you're reading a collection of wise thoughts from all over the known world at the time that Solomon compiled and put into one volume. Some of them are from him. Some of them he got as he studied other cultures. That's what Proverbs says. It's kind of like the original Twitter. Like the little 140 characters, like a wise saying. And so Solomon would collect those, put them into a book. Song of Solomon is a play. So there's all sorts of stuff in here, okay? Uh, and so I need you to understand that this, guys, this is different. It's unlike anything else. And you can't get what's in here somewhere else. So what is the Bible? The Bible's not a book. It's a collection of books. We're going to keep on going. What is the Bible? The Bible is the story of God's interaction with humanity. It's the story of God's interaction with humanity. I mean, it starts in the Garden of Eden, starts with the creation of mankind, and it ends uh, talking about when Jesus will come back. And it's the story that uh, it's, it's divided into two parts. You guys know this, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament, by and large, are dealing with a specific group of people, the people of Israel, the children of Israel. There are some exceptions to that. But by and large, when you're reading the Old Testament, it was a long time ago and for a different people than you belong to. It doesn't mean that it's not important. It doesn't mean that it's not Scripture. It just means that you need to know that. You need to be aware of that. So it starts with the story of, of anyone who's a, a, a related to Abraham. And then over time, we get introduced to Jesus. He's the Messiah for the Jewish people, but he's also... As a surprise twist, he's, he's the, the Messiah for the entire world. And that's what John tells us in 1 John 4, 14. He says, we've seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. John's saying, hey, I saw this. This is not a made-up story. This is not a bedtime story. This is not um, a novel fiction. This is something we saw and we lived. I grew up, John says, I grew up in, in, the, in the Jewish faith and culture. I, I switched to believing in Jesus as the Messiah, and I saw him with my own eyes. This, guys, this contains investigative journalism. It contains, uh, uh, modern day for us would be documentaries. The, the, the books of Luke and Acts are, are literally docu documentaries. Luke was documenting, interviewed tons of people, and then wrote out the story of Jesus and the story of the early church. So you need to understand, guys, that this is, this is the story of God's interaction with humanity. And depending on where you're reading is depending on how he's interacting with humanity. Okay? So here's another thing that the Bible is. The Bible is the word of God. The Bible is the word of God. Now, the word word means the expression of or the communication of something. Now, the, the Bible is the written word of God. 
But we also have other expressions, right? Jesus is called the word of God. So Jesus is the expression and the communication of God. If you want to know what God's like, you look to Jesus. He's the communication of the Father. If you're confused on who the Father is, what he thinks, what he wants, look to Jesus. He's the word. He's the expression. He's the communication of God. So we also have the spoken word of God that comes through the voice of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. So we've got the living word, we've got the spoken word, and we've got the written word of God. And whether it's the written word, the spoken word, or the living word, it's powerful. And and we should treat these words as coming from the very mouth of God. Isaiah 55, 11 says, it's the same with my word. He's drawing an analogy between the weather. And then he says, it's the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to do. And it will prosper everywhere I send it. Well, that's good. Wait, is this talking about the written word? Yeah. Is this talking about the spoken word? Yup. Is this talking about the living word? Uh Uh-huh. They're all the same thing. They're all the communication of God. Does that make sense? And so, the, so is the Bible the word of God? Yeah, yeah. But don't forget, the word of God testifies, the written word testifies of the living word, and the living word wants to speak to you as well. I, uh, I had a friend in college who would talk about getting in the word. Yeah, I'm gonna go get in the word, spend some time in the word. And he actually named his bed the word. So that's not how we want to treat scripture. We do actually want to read it and interact with it, right? We do. We do. Hebrews 4.12 says, the word of God, which one? The living word, Jesus. Which one? The written word, the Bible. Which one? The spoken word through the Holy Spirit. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I love that. See, our intentions aren't always right, are they? Our thoughts aren't always right, are they? So we we need something, the word of God, that's going to help us discern and figure out, is this right? Is this wrong? Is this the right direction? Is this where I should be headed? Well, thank goodness, we've got the voice of the Holy Spirit, the spoken word. We've got the living word, Jesus. And then he wrote it down for us. We've got the written word as well. And so to ignore the written word of God is kind of weird. It's kind of weird when you think about it. So the Bible is the word of God. Here's the next thing. What's the Bible? The Bible is useful for spiritual growth. I don't know about you. I need spiritual growth, right? We all need spiritual growth. We all are, are, are on a journey. We are, are in process growing in our faith, growing in our knowledge of who God is, figuring out how to tell our soul what to do. <laughs> so we're all, we're all growing. We're all in process. And so the written word of God, the Bible, is incredibly useful for our spiritual growth. 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17 says, you have been, it's, uh, Paul's talking to Timothy, and he's addressing Timothy, this first verse. He says, you, Timothy, have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, 
And they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Now, he leaves addressing Timothy individually, and now he he makes a statement that's true for everyone. And he says this, all scripture is inspired by God. Does that include the Old Testament? Yeah, that was all there was right now. So of course it includes the Old Testament. Does it include the New Testament? Absolutely. All scripture. How much scripture? All of it. All scripture. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we, do, when we were wrong, and it teaches us to do what's right. God uses it, scripture, the Bible, to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. All right, how many of you want to do good things in this life? Okay, all right, you need help to do that, right? Okay, so guess what? God uses his written word, the Bible, scripture, to help prepare you and equip you for that. That's good. I need that. Because I, I mean, I want to leave a legacy when I'm gone. I mean, I'm not going to be here forever. You're not going to be here forever on this planet, right? And so I, I want to, while I'm here, I want to do as much of the good stuff God has called me to do as possible. And so I need scripture to help build me up, teach me, and encourage me. And, and make sure that I'm doing the right thing. I, I hope that you do as well. Now, it's interesting in this verse, it says, it says all scripture is inspired by God. Uh, that, that word, some translations say this. They say God breathed. God breathed. You know, some people ask, well, did, did men write the Bible or did God write the Bible? Yes. God inspired men. <laughs> God inspired people. And so it's, it's, you can't just separate the two like that. Say, well, it's written by men. Well, it was, but it's also inspired by God. It's both, okay? But God didn't write it with his hand. He used people, just like he'll use you, just like he'll use me. And so it's God breathed. I love it, though. It says, all scriptures inspired by God and useful. Again, guys, this, this is incredibly useful. It, there's a lot of practical information in here. Um, And it says what it's useful for. It says to teach us what is true. So this is doctrine. You know, everyone has an opinion on what's true these days, right? And the idea of like uh, an absolute truth, people are like, what, what 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 is true? What is true anymore? There's so much confusion and deception out there. Guys, God's word is true. And so this, this is what we believe. This is where we get our doctrine. This is where we get our belief system. So it teaches us the truth. It says, um, it makes us realize what's wrong in our lives. So the word here in New King James is reproof. Reproof. And you can look that word up. It's, 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 it's not used very often. But I wrote down here in my notes... It means to compare our lives to the answer key. You, you know, you've, you've, uh, when you're in school, you take a test and the teacher has an answer key. All the right answers are filled in. Well, that's, that's what the scripture is. It's the answer key to life. And, and so we read it. We don't read it alone. We read it with the author. And, and then we realize, oh, okay, so I was wrong on this. 
Gotcha. I was thinking culture says this, but, but actually this is the answer key. Does that make sense? That's what reproof is. So it teaches you what to believe and it shows you when you're wrong. And then three, but it doesn't just leave you there. You're wrong. Okay, great. No, next, it restores us to where we should be. It restores us to where it doesn't just point out you're wrong. It does. That's part of it. This is the truth and you're wrong, but here's how you get back to the truth. So it restores us to where we need to be. And then lastly, it trains us to be like Jesus. New King James says instruction in righteousness so that we don't go through the same old problems over and over and over and over and over again. So, so I love, do you see the progression there? This is true. This in your life is wrong. Let me help you fix that. Now go and act like Jesus. That's what scripture does. What a blessing. What an amazing thing that we get to read and engage with on a regular basis. So what is the Bible? The Bible contains information that's meant to be applied. This is super important, you guys. The Bible contains information. This collection of books contains all sorts of information that's meant to be applied. James chapter 1, 21 through 24 it says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Wow. So the implanted word can save my soul. How do I implant the word? I'm glad you asked. We keep reading. How do you implant the word? But be doers of the word and not hearers only. That's how you implant it. I mean, you can have contact with the word of God just by hearing it, but until you do it, you haven't implanted it. And when you plant it, then fruit's going to grow from it. And so we receive the implanted word by doing the word, not being hearers, only deceiving yourselves. I love this example that James uses in this next verse, verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. You ever seen someone show up at work, or even better, they're at Walmart, and you're like, do you have a mirror? Did did you see how you were dressed before you left? (laughs) I'm like, they they make mirrors where you live, right? I mean, how bizarre would it be You get up, look, everyone gets up in the morning, you got your eye crust going on. Maybe you have some spinach in your teeth. And you look in the mirror, you go, oh, someone needs to fix this. And then you walk away without fixing it. Guys, scripture is a mirror. It shows you what you're really like. And sometimes you got spinach in your spiritual teeth. Sometimes you got some goobers you need to get rid of. Right? Wouldn't it be weird, though, to see that and not change it? And so that's why we have to not just hear the word, but we have to do the word. I love this. I love creating little equations like this. I like to call this the transformation equation. Don't you want transformation in your life? I do. I want to grow. I want to become who God's called me to be. So this is the transformation equation. Information plus application times dedication equals transformation. Information is not enough by itself. 
It's not enough just to know the facts in the Bible. You have to apply it to your life. Again, don't be a hearer only, but a doer as well. Information plus application. But then you're not done. It takes dedication. Day after day after day after week after week after month after month after year of dedication of taking the information and applying it to your life. And then you'll see transformation. Don't think that just knowing the facts and information of our faith is going to change you. It has to be applied. That's, again, like looking in a mirror, seeing what you need to change, but not changing it. You have to do something in response. We want to be transformed. Trying to see if I have time. I have time for a story. I remember I used to cut the grass all the time for my parents. Used a riding lawnmower. It was fun. I was so cool. I had my Sony Discman. Hmm? Hmm? I would avoid the roots so it wouldn't skip. Listen to music, sing real loud, look like an idiot to the neighbors, didn't care. I remember one time in particular, the grass had gotten pretty high, so I was cutting it, and I was just enjoying my music, hanging out, enjoying being on the riding lawnmower. And I looked, I'd gone a couple of circles, you know, you go in circles like that. I I noticed that nothing had happened. I'd been riding for like 10 minutes. And you have to engage the blade, right? There's a blade... For safety reasons, it's, it's up, and you have to put it down, and, and that's when it actually cuts the grass. I, and I'd wasted a lot of time because I hadn't engaged the blade. And how many Christians don't engage the word, and they're just running around doing nothing? It's making no difference. They're just do-do-do-do-do. Nothing's changing because they haven't engaged the blade. We engage the blade. We engage the word of God. Remember, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. We engage it by doing it, by applying it to our lives. Again, Scripture is a mirror. It's a mirror for you, for you. Scripture works best as a mirror to see your own problems clearly, not binoculars for seeing other people's problems clearly. Often we want to use this to try to, well, this is what you should do. How about you figure it out first? Right? It's a mirror, not binoculars. It's more easily applied to your life than someone else's. And so we need to be careful. It's our transformation that we're focused on, not everyone else's. I mean, we want to help people, right? But it's kind of like when you're airplane. Say if the if the uh, if we lose cabin pressure, oxygen masks will fall from the ceiling. That's never happened to me. I can't wait until it does. Like I really want that to happen. I'm serious. It'd be fun. It'd be fun. It'd be it'd be awesome. It's oxygen. But what do they say? They say put your mask on first, and then help someone else. Right. Because you're no good to anyone else until you're breathing first, right? 
And so it's the same with the word of God. Like, let's make sure we got it first before we try to apply it to everyone else's life. Let's make sure we're applying it to our life. Amen? All right, here's another thing the Bible is. The Bible serves as an anchor for doctrine. The Bible serves as an anchor for our doctrine. Hebrews 2.1 says, so we must listen very carefully. I'm totally going to be like the next plane. I'm the, like the master going to fall down. I'm going to be terrified. I'm going to have to like apologize for saying that. So we must listen very carefully. English Standard Version says, pay close attention to the truth that we have heard or we may drift away from it. Guys, current culture is a current. It's trying to move you in a particular direction. And don't you know currents? You don't always know that you're being moved, do you? You ever been in the beach, in, in the waves, in the ocean? And you look back and where you set up is like way over there now? Because the current was taking you somewhere. You didn't even realize it. Current culture is a current. And if you aren't aware, if you don't have an anchor that keeps you, you're just going to flow with everyone else. You're just going to go in the same direction. And so the Bible serves as an anchor for our doctrine. It serves as an anchor for our, remember I told you there's not just the written word and the living word, there's the spoken word. God wants to speak to you. Because there are things in your life you need to do, decisions you need to make that aren't in this book, right? Like there's no, there was no first Jamie chapter four that said Mary Tiffany. Right, I had to discern that from the Holy Spirit. That'd be awesome if there was that. It'd be a really, really big book. All right, but so there's here we have to hear, but you can't hear something from God that doesn't that that contradicts. I'll put it that way: that contradicts what Scripture says. It's the anchor. Like you didn't hear from God to leave your spouse and go shack up with your coworker. That wasn't God. That was another spirit. Why? Because scripture is the anchor and tells us, well, God just wants me to be happy. No, God wants you to be holy. And then in your holiness, you'll be happy. And so, so that's how scripture works as an anchor for us. Here's the other thing the Bible is. The Bible is the treasure map. And Jesus is the treasure. The Bible is the treasure map. Jesus is the treasure. Yeah, I love the word of God. But the Trinity is not Father, Son, and Holy Bible. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We don't worship the Bible. We utilize the Bible because it's useful. We worship Jesus. We worship the Father. We worship the Spirit. John 5, 39 through 40. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. Oh, they knew the Bible. They knew it very well. At that time, there was only the Old Testament He says this, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me, verse 40, yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. They have the written word, but they didn't understand the written word. The living word was standing right in front of them. It's not enough, again, it's not just information. There has to be application and dedication before there's transformation. And so, guys, we love, we love the treasure map, right? That's great. But, man, Jesus is the treasure. If you're going around and 
like a, a relative's attic and you found an old treasure map and you're, you, you wouldn't just like frame it. Hopefully you'd go use it to get the treasure, right? And then frame it with all that money you got from the treasure. <laughs> and so scripture is the treasure map. We use it to find God in our lives. I want you to take a moment. I'm going to give you some really practical advice in just a second. But I want you to take a moment. I want you to ponder this. Why don't we read the Bible? This isn't to make you feel guilty. If you start feeling guilt or condemnation, that's not God. But I, I, we just need to self-assess here for a moment. Why don't we read the Bible? Let me throw some things out there. Let me just see if any of this sticks. Because it takes time. You feel like you feel like you don't have enough time. Guys, can I be honest with you? This, I, I struggle with this. The truth is, you and I have plenty of time. What we don't have is time management. <laughs> we need time management. We don't, every, everyone else, all these people out saving the world, doing good stuff, they have as much time as you do. Right? And, and so uh, it's about time management. Here's another reason why we don't read the Bible. We don't understand what we're reading. A lot of times we're like, okay, I'm going to get it done. And it's like, and then David lay with Bathsheba. What? And we don't understand what's going on. And we're like, I don't, I don't know that this, I don't, I don't, I don't know why am I reading this? You know what I mean? And so we, we need to, be a little bit more intelligent when it comes to how we read scripture, a little bit more aware of what we're doing. Not just, you know, so many people like, Lord, speak to me now. (laughs) I put my words in your mouth. That's literally what I just opened to. No, I'm asking you for the words, not my mouth, your mouth, Lord. That's the opposite. We treat like this little magic book, right? We got to read this more intelligently, y'all. So sometimes we just don't understand what we're reading. Well, guess what? Understand it. Learn. Learn. Here's another one. Uh, We're not sure if it's making a difference. Come on, be honest. Well, I read my Bible every day. I still don't, I haven't seen a huge change. Right? I mean, sometimes, God, is this really making a difference? Is this really doing anything? Guys, we already read the scripture. His word will not return void. It is doing something. It is changing you. It's a slow growth. But slow growth is good growth. Slow growth is good growth. It's the kind of growth you want. Here's another one. We think we already know enough. Look, I know, look, I know, I know about Jesus. I know about Mary. I know about, you know, Bethlehem. Okay, I heard all that stuff. Especially if you've been a believer for a long time, you study the scripture for a long time, it's like, I've heard that. But here's the deal. If you're just dealing with information, sure, you've heard that. But scripture is God-breathed. It's multifaceted. It's living. Hebrews 4.12, we just read that earlier, the word of God is living. And so there's always another angle. There's always a, 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 new, a new application that can be done. And so I encourage you. Look, I, I've been there before. I've, I've read this. I've read the entire Bible. 
read it before. Yeah, but that doesn't mean you've gotten it. <laughs> it just means you've come in contact with it once, come in contact again. And you know this about people, right? You, you hang out with a person and you know, it's like, well, I've seen them. I'll never need to see them again. No, no, you, you, you see them again, right? You learn new stuff. There's new interactions. There's new relationship formed. This is how it is with the word of God. So let me give you some practical tips, practical tips for reading the Bible. I'm going to give you uh, five of these really quickly. These are in our notes on the app, um, or you can wait until I'm done with all five and take a picture or whatever, write them down. I encourage you, use these. Here's some practical tips for reading the Bible. Number one, choose a specific time and place. Now, this is hard for me. I am not a task-oriented person. I am, I want to go have fun. And I get bored easy. And if you're like me, you start reading the Bible, you're like, squirrel. Like, next thing you know, (laughs) right? Next thing you know, you're thinking about, I'm thinking about dinner. It's eight in the morning and I'm thinking about dinner? What is wrong with me? Anyway, so Jehoshaphat. So, (laughs) Right? But if you choose a particular time and place, what happens is you begin to train yourself. You begin to train yourself. And I've been through seasons where, where the Lord's like, you get up at this time, you go to this place, and you do this. And it's been very good. There are other times when the Lord is not requiring that of me, and he, and he wants me to kind of read on the fly, read when I can. And it changes. The key is to be in tune with him and do what he's telling you to do. But I highly encourage you to choose a specific time and place. And begin to train yourself to read scripture. Here's another one. Use multiple translations and tools. I know some of you maybe grew up in in churches where they're like, this one translation is the translation. Hogwash. Not true. That That is an uninformed, uneducated statement. There's not one version of the Bible that's the best. There's not. And it's, it's easily demonstrated that that's the case. I don't have time to get into it. Shoot me an email. I'll be happy to explain it to you. We're dealing with, an, with uh, dead, not only other languages than English, but dead languages. No one speaks the languages that the Bible was written in. Only academically do they. Like it's, there's not a country somewhere that's speaking Koine Greek, not even Greece. There's not a country anywhere that's speaking ancient Hebrew, not even Israel. And so we have to learn and study these things and their methods to how they translate, okay? So use multiple translations and tools. I memorized a lot of scripture in the New King James Version. I usually preach from the New Living Translation. The ESV is awesome. Um, the Amplified is cool. It defines terms within the verse. It'll slow you down. If you're just like, shoot, just reading a bunch, you're not, you're not getting any of it, the Amplified will slow you down, help you with the meaning. The message is a paraphrase, not a translation, but it's really good if you get stuck, you don't understand what something means, the message is great. There's a new one called the Passion Translation that actually uses Aramaic manuscripts, not just Greek and Hebrew. Um, it's a good companion. All of these, are, all these work with each other. Don't just choose one translation. It makes sense to choose one translation to memorize, but, but don't just choose one to study. Choose a bunch and the Lord's going to speak to you through multiple ones. And then there's tools, right? There's all kinds of tools you can use. Here's one. Utilize Bible apps and devotionals. Does anyone, y'all have the version Bible app on your phone? You should. It's incredible. You know that we didn't have the Bible in English until about 500 years ago? The Bible from the year 500 to, uh, 
to around 1500, for about a thousand years, the Bible was only in Latin. And guess who spoke Latin? No one. No one actually spoke it. The priests knew it, and it was an academic language, but, but it was not being used as an actual language. And, it was, and people didn't have access to the Bible. And in some places, they would literally chain the Bible to the podium. No one had access to the word of God. You have it in your pocket now. You don't want to use it? I mean, what a blessing. So utilize these Bible apps. Utilize devotionals. Although, don't only read devotionals. We don't want to read about the Bible. We want to read the Bible. There's a difference. So utilize Bible apps and devotionals. There's nothing wrong with that. They're good. Be aware of what you're reading. Please be aware of what, I talked about this a little bit. Be aware, are you in the Old Testament or New Testament? Who, who wrote what you're, what you're reading? Well, God did. No. Who's the author? Who's it, who, who are they writing to? Why are they writing? See, sometimes if you're an Old Testament prophet, uh, like Isaiah, there's a certain time period that he's addressing and a certain people that he's addressing. Those are particular prophetic words from God to specific people. Now, can the Holy Spirit breathe on it and make it relevant for you? Absolutely. He will. But you need to know, you need to do your due diligence and realize that, you know, some of these verses that we just quote over and over and over, we've isolated from the original text, and they don't really mean what we think they mean. So you need to be aware of what you're reading. You need to, there are lots of great, usually in your Bible in the beginning, there's a synopsis of the book. Read that, know what you're reading. There's a group called the Bible Project on YouTube that has these great summaries of each book of the Bible. They're about eight minutes long each. They're fantastic. Go watch them. But know what you're reading. And lastly, read for relationship. You know, I've heard people say that the Bible is like the instruction manual for life. And it's not that that's not true. It's just that it's incomplete. I like to think of it more like a love letter. You know, God has reached out to humanity through Jesus. He's saved us. He's borne the sacrifice for our sin. And then Jesus says, look, I'm going back to the Father. I'm leaving my Holy Spirit. And guess what? We're going to write some of this down for you. If I were away and I was writing Tiffany letters while I was away... I don't think I'd be okay with her just, okay, I gotta read Jamie's letter. Hi, sweetheart, miss you. Take a note. Miss you means I wish you were here. <laughs> like, I love study. I'm not saying no study, but I'm saying this is a love letter, you guys. We read the Bible so that we can connect to the author. That's why we have this. And I encourage you to read for a relationship. What does that mean? It means pray before you read. Holy Spirit, would you speak to me about what I'm about to read? Show me what you want to show me. Take it slow. Look, if you want to read the Bible in a year, cool. I've done those plans. They didn't help me at all, just being honest. I mean, I made it through the Bible in a year. The earth went around the sun, and I read the Bible. Cool. I didn't retain it because I was jumping from Leviticus, right? Stone the adulterer to, 
to one of the gospels, Jesus says love. To one of the Proverbs, hey, don't talk back to your parents. And I was just like, what? it's just everywhere. So for me, it wasn't helpful, just being honest. I, don't, I would rather, as your pastor, I would rather you understand one verse and really get it than go through chapters and chapters. I would rather you get the information, apply the information over time, and then have transformation. Read for a relationship, you guys. God loves you. He wrote you a love letter. You should read it. Are you reading the Bible in the way God wants you to? Look, this is good for you. This is your father who loves you, wants to talk to you, and this is one of the ways, the written word, that this is one of the, his spoken word is going to speak to you as you read the written word, and you're going to be closer to the living word. That's awesome. Let's commit to treating God's word the way we should. Amen? Amen. Let's stand for prayer. Close your eyes for a moment. Ask the Holy Spirit the question I just asked you. Am I reading the Bible in the way you want me to? Maybe you're not reading at all. Maybe it's intimidating. You don't know where to start. Maybe you've tried and you got bogged down in Deuteronomy. Maybe you feel like you know it all. Maybe you feel like it's not really that important. Maybe it's just on the list of shoulds of Christianity instead of something that you know brings life. What does the Holy Spirit speak to you? in this moment when you ask, Lord, am I reading the Bible the way you want me to? I want to lead you in a prayer where we allow the Lord to teach us, instruct us, and show us how to read his written word. If you will, repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you wrote down your word for me. I pray that your spirit speaks to me as I read your written word, I pray that I become closer with the living word as I read the written word. I give you permission to give me a reading plan individualized for me by your Holy Spirit. Speak to me through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Tiff, will you close us? Hey, once again, thanks for listening to the VFC podcast. If you live in the Thomasville area, we would love for you to connect with us in person. For more information about our weekly gatherings, including service times and directions, just visit us at vfcthomasville.org. 